Hey y'all, in my most southern voice ever, I'm Nicole and thanks for joining Life After 30 Podcast. May 8th, 2018. And how about let's get into these Matt Gala looks. So the theme was heavenly bodies. And baby, when I tell you they killed it, they absolutely killed it. I'm going to go with my top three. So number three, Zendaya. Although the outfit wasn't for me, I think that she murked the theme as Joan of Arc. Number two, Cardi B. Okay. <laughs> Cardi B. I think she was supposed to be like a heavenly angel. Anyhow, simply amazing, especially with that baby bump. And last, but always first, never second, number one, Rihanna, bad girl, Riri. Let me tell you, you better get into that Pope look because sister was everything. Straight served them. Speaking of serving, I've been helping myself to a second serving of dinner lately. And this is like my millionth time kicking off my fitness journey this year alone. It's like I do good for a week. I even did good for two weeks at one point. And then as soon as there's a disruption in my schedule, it goes to shits. And the crazy part about it is that I get in this mood to work out when I try on something and I really don't look good in it. And I'm like, well, if I didn't have this stomach or these thighs, I would totally murk this damn outfit. But since I do, I'm going to take my fat ass to the gym. So I do that for like a week, sometimes two weeks, like I said. But then I'm like, but they say you got to love yourself. And I need to love all of my fatness and all of my curves and this jiggly, talking, tummy, Tammy, and these thighs that touch when I walk. I need to love and embrace all of that. And then I stop going to the fucking gym. And it's just like a repeated cycle. So... I'm trying to figure out how to break that damn cycle because Lord knows I don't want to be on my 600-pound life. But, anywho, enough about my weight loss struggle because that is a repeated soapbox. Let's get into the fact that recently I was asked or offered um, a position on a panel where I would discuss mental health. And although I wanted to say no, not because I didn't want to do it, but because I was afraid, I'm scared. I'm like, what if someone asks me a question that I do not know the answer to? Am I going to choke up? Or what if I sound stupid when I'm talking? Or what if I talk too fast and they're like, wait a minute, slow down? Or what if I talk too loud or if I talk too low? And it was just all these things going through my head about the what ifs. What if I failed? And then I thought, but what if I don't? What if I succeed? What if it's great? What if the people love me? <laughs> what if I get offered more speaking opportunities? What if, what if, what if? So I said yes. And although I'm completely nervous, I'm completely excited as well. Like, I said yes. And I, to be honest with you guys, I was going to refer this offer to someone else who I thought would be better for the job. But then I thought, 
God placed this opportunity in my life in my lap for a reason. So why should I just pass it along to the next person because I feel like I'm inadequate? I have plenty of time to research the topic. And for God's sake, I'm a clinical psychology major. So it shouldn't be that hard. And at the end of the day, I can always make up some shit that sounds good. <laughs> so I wanted to kind of pat myself on the back or toot my own horn. Toot, toot. Because I said yes to an opportunity that is going to be new to me, exciting to me, yet challenging. So... I would like to challenge all of my listeners to say yes, you know, just say yes to an opportunity that freaks you the fuck out, but could be so rewarding in the end. Just say yes. Just think of this as the year of yes. We have like a half of a year left and let's make it the best. Let's conquer some new opportunity. When that guy asks you out, say yes. When your boss asks you if you want to join a new project, say yes. When your homegirl asks you to go skydiving, say fucking yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I would say yeah to that. I would gotta think about that one. But you get my drift. Don't let fear hold you back. Fear is like you're a prisoner of your own self. And you will never evolve into the person that you're meant to be if you let fear confine you. Let's not let fear take us over this year. It's 2018, okay? And we're gonna kick fear in its ass. You know what's so funny? That every year somebody's trying to motivate you, they throw the year in there. Like, girl, it's 2016. You can't be doing that. Girl, it's 2017. Uh-uh, don't do that. Girl, it's about to be 2019. We ain't doing that. <laughs> I think that's actually a perfect segue into what we'll be discussing today. So, today we are going to talk about my reaction to Jada Pickett Smith's Red Table Talk. So, if you live under the rock, Red Table Talk, um, it li- it airs on Facebook, and it was on YouTube, but I don't know how the hell they did it, but they got it removed. So, it's no longer available on YouTube, so you do have to access it via Facebook. Um, it was published on, I believe, Sunday, maybe Monday. Anyhow, it's a red table, <laughs> and they have a conversation around this table, and there's three generations of women. It's Jada Pickett-Smith her mother, and her daughter. And the first episode was actually a sit-down that Jada Pickett-Smith did with Will Smith's, get into this, people, ex-wife. The clip is really short. Um, The conversation with um, Jada and Will's ex-wife is only about 10 minutes long, and then the entire clip itself is about 19 to 20 minutes. So it's an easy watch, and it is so insightful. At least for me it was. So let's get into some things that I've learned. So here's a little background on my situation before I kind of dive into the things that I learned from watching Jada converse with Sheree. You know what? Let me actually check and see if her name is Sheree because I don't want to call her Sheree this whole episode if her name is Sherry or Sheree or whatever. Okay, so I checked it real quick. Her name is Sheree. So Jada and Sheree. (laughs) So, you know how us girls sometimes make that list of all the things that we want in a man? Well, on my list was a man with no children. But, then as I got a little bit older, I learned a little bit more about life in general, I realized I'm not so much concerned about if he has children or not, more so concerned about what type of father he is. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I never expected to fall in love with a man that had two children. But that's what God happened to send my way. Praise him. <laughs> so, yes, my boyfriend has two children. And he has two baby mothers. And this sounds like a lot. Because it is. <laughs> because I know, you know, being a woman myself, sometimes, you know, I'm not going to call us a bitch. I'm going to call us unstable creatures. Pause. Think about it. What movie is that from? If you do not get it right, your black card is revoked. I'm going to give you a second. Three, two, one. If I did not hear you blur the answer, please take that black card out of your wallet and put it in the freezer. You cannot defrost it until you redeem yourself. It is from Baby Boy, one of the best black movies of all time. Moving right along. So, me and my boyfriend have been dating for about two years, a little bit over two years, and he is a wonderful father. And that was one of the best characteristics that I felt like he had. Just seeing him with his kids was just amazing. Like, nothing comes before his children. They are his pride and joy. And I felt like, oh, well, this is going to be easy because he has a great relationship with his kids. They love him. This is going to be amazing. And we could just be one big happy family. And I thought that everybody would be receptive. Like, hey. We can spend holidays together. Oh, it's your birthday. It's my birthday, too. Girl, you want to go out and have drinks? And it sounds weird, <laughs> but that's what I honestly thought in my head. Now, is that what happened? No, totally not. Totally not what happened. So, at this point, if you have not seen the Red Table Talk with Cherie and Jada, then you're going to pause because I'm about to spoil everything. So it starts by Cherie telling the audience about how Will Smith told her that he was going to introduce their son Trey to Jada and how she felt that it wasn't a good idea and she didn't want it to happen. And basically Will told her to build a wall and get over it because it was happening. Um, and I think that not just as women, but as humans, we don't want anyone to do anything without us giving them the green light. We like to have control over situations and we want it to be on our time when we're ready. But unfortunately, when you're dealing with another individual, it's not always going to be on our time or when we're ready. It's going to be when that person feels like they are ready. And they will discuss it with you, but with them discussing it with you doesn't mean that they're asking you for permission. They're just trying to give you some respect and inform you of it. So in that situation, it sounded like Will was kind of like, oh, I'm not asking you if I can do this. I'm just informing you of what's going to happen. And either you're going to be on board or you're not. So then Cherie also goes into discussing kind of like the first encounter that she had with Jada. Um, and she talked about calling the house to speak to Trey. And she admits that she was completely rude and disrespectful to Jada. And Jada told her, I don't like the way that you're talking to me. And she told Jada, I don't care. So <laughs> Jada hung up on her basically. Cherie states that she still needs to talk to her son because clearly she didn't get through. And, you know, keep in mind, this was a long time ago. Her son didn't have a cell phone. It was just a house phone. And she had to go through Jada to get to her son. So she called back and she said, in her words, not mine, <laughs> bitch, you living in the house that I picked up. And Jada replies, well, I'm living in it now. And they laughed at this point about the situation, but clearly we can imagine the tension and the anger <laughs> that was probably just boiling over in that moment. 
And I think that was just an amazing example to show people that sometimes things do start off rocky. Sometimes they don't always start on good terms, but with time and with growth and with an effort, we can overcome that. Listen to me sounding like Martin Luther King of all girlfriends with baby mama drama. We shall overcome. The phone conversation um, meant a lot to me because to me, I felt like it is very appropriate to set boundaries and to let other people know that you will respect me. And I think a lot of times as the girlfriend coming into a situation where a man has children, people believe that we're supposed to just just bow down and do whatever because they think that we're disposable. They feel like, oh, well, and I've had this said to me before, you know, he has a child with her. She's going to be in his life forever. But you, you may be here today going tomorrow. It's kind of like they skip over that whole step of dating. <laughs> and they're like, if you're not his girlfriend, if you don't come into this as being his wife, then you being his girlfriend, oh, we have little to no respect for you at all. When the truth of the matter is, in order to become someone's wife or someone's husband, you have to be able to observe how they engage with your children. It's not safe or healthy (laughs) to marry someone who's never met your children. That's just like a setup for destruction. But what I will say is that when I came into this situation, I felt that oh, oh, this will be great. These relationships were already ended. We're going to be this great, big, blended family and everybody's going to get along. But, hey, you don't always get all the cookies in the cookie jar either, huh? (laughs) You know what? That analogy completely made no sense at all. I don't know where I was going with that, but you kind of get it, right? (laughs) So back to the Red Table Talk. So Cherie and Jada um, continued their discussion and some of the stuff that Jada really said provided me a lot of insight into the situation. Um, One of the main things she said was that she realized that she needed to fall back and not be insensitive to what Cherie was going through. And Cherie also said that she needed to realize that a major part of her responsibility was to respect Jada. And then Cherie went on to thank Jada for loving her son and... When I tell you, the interview with Sheree and Jada was only about 10 minutes long. But when I tell you I smiled, I laughed, I cried, and then I went back to smiling and laughing again, it was just something in there. It was so powerful to see these women make this connection that I wanted to send it to my boyfriend's baby mothers. There was a portion of the conversation, and Sheree actually was talking about not being able to give Trey a family. Actually, I'm going to let you hear it. That's the choice that I made. And even to this day, thinking that I broke up Mm. a family. I didn't give Trey what I wanted for him. I didn't give him what he needed. Right. You know, I didn't give him what his brother and sister have. Right. That's hard. Yeah. But, you know, that's what I have to live with. Right, 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 right. And that broke me down. It still hurts. Baby, that part right there resonated in my soul. When I tell you, listening to her and the way she explained what she was feeling at that moment and why she was so angry, that helped me to understand possibly the perspective of my boyfriend's baby mothers. Because I never looked at it that way. 
these women are not angry with me. Like, I mean, honestly, how could you be angry at such a fabulous person like myself? But (laughs) they're not angry with me. They're just having to work through the guilt that they possibly feel about not being able to give their child a family that they deserve. And although a blended family is still a family nonetheless, it's still not the dynamics that they dreamed of having. So it's it's a it's a tough situation to work through and my job as the girlfriend is to be more sensitive to their emotions. And I feel like all of our jobs, all of the adults involved, all of our responsibility is to also maintain a level of respect for one another. So it's cool to work through these emotions individually or, you know, collaboratively, but we still must remain respectful to one another. And that's really the only way it's going to work. Thanks for tuning in to my episode two. As always, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to comment below or email me. And my email address is NicoleProductions at gmail.com, which is spelled N-I-K-C-O-L-E-E Productions with an S at gmail.com. See you guys next time.